Hey everybody, it's Tandy from Common Ground Alaska. I'm so glad you've decided to join us today. Um, we have invited Kelly Fischler to come talk with us today about um, aeroponics, which is a subject that's super new to me. So I'm excited to learn more. Um, but I, something that I think that you're going to notice as you're, as we're talking to Kelly is, um, that, uh, she, she, as a lifelong Alaskan, she completely understands like this, this gardening, you know, goodness dead zone that we have from, you know, what the middle of September all the way to June, where we just, we don't have a lot of good garden, fresh stuff. So, um, she definitely found a solution to this problem and I'm excited for her to share with you. So Kelly, I'm so grateful that you have joined us. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thank you, Tandy. I'm happy to be on the podcast today. So my name is Kelly Fischler. I'm a longtime Alaskan. I graduated from the Alaska Military Youth Academy, and I hold a bachelor's degree in public administration from Liberty University. I've lived in Anchorage, Valdez. We currently live in Juneau. And when I was really young, I lived up in Barrow. Um, and my husband and I absolutely love this state. I was in the Navy and the Alaska Air National Guard for a total of 11 years. And my husband's in the Coast Guard for now. He's getting out and we're moving to Anchorage in two months. That's pretty exciting. What a what a big move that's going to be. And I think that's fun yeah. that you've always lived here. So, um, okay, so let's just jump in. What exactly, what, what, what is or what are, I'm not even sure which to use, aeroponics? Absolutely. So aeroponics are a form of hydroponics and they're a more efficient form. They work by using droplets of water and gravity instead of currents, such as like the deep water technique or the nutrient film technique. And because the plants are suspended in the air, the roots are aerated in between those waterings and that gives them even more oxygen and it encourages plant growth to the point where some things will grow three times as fast with 10% uh, of the water of conventional gardening. So out of all the forms of hydroponics, aeroponics are by far the most efficient. Interesting. So um, I'm going to jump off script here for a second. And if you don't have an answer, that's okay. But we, I'd always yeah. heard that roots weren't supposed to be exposed to the air, right? Like when you're transplanting, you don't want the roots to be exposed to the air. So, um, so why is this okay? Do you know, do you have the answer? That's a really good question. And I don't know the answer, but everything needs oxygen. And the more oxygen that a plant can get, the better off it's going to be. A lot of the conventional hydroponic systems will use air stones to oxygenate the water, or they'll use um, aero mixers, which is like a pump that just mixes air and water together. The same kind of goes for fish, whereas if there's no oxygen content in the water, it's really hard for plant life and fish to live and live well. So that's why um, it's important to have water currents and things like that when you have fish as far as like aquaponics would go. So oxygen for plants is a good thing. Okay. Well, but I don't sense. know all the science behind it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's, that's interesting. So why did you choose aeroponics over aquaponics or hydroponics? Yeah. So um, I originally wanted to do a lot of aquaponics 
when I was on deployments in the Navy, I had a Kindle and I would read book after book after book, um, talking about trout and tilapia and all sorts of fish. And I was like, this sounds awesome. I'm going to run a trap line in Alaska and I'm going to have a greenhouse with fish in it. And that didn't happen. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of space when I was single and I got out of the Navy and um, I didn't really have a place where I could put any type of aquaponic system or hydroponic system. And then after my husband and I met and got married and we started moving around doing the active duty life, we moved too much to have something like that. And so I had a hard time coming up with a good hydroponic system as well. So aeroponics was just kind of the answer. <laughs> it was, it was. And um, they're, they're really a good use of space because they're usually a vertical use of space. About two years ago, um, late 2020, early 21, I said, that's it. I'm tired of buying crappy cilantro. And I was like, I'm going to figure this out. And I started looking at all of the aeroponic units that I could find and hydroponic units. I looked at designing my own. I had a couple of really good designs, but ultimately I couldn't find anything that checked all those boxes that I needed of small floor space, portability, expandability, um, versatility with lights and variety of crops and I wanted it to be portable because I didn't want to have to pollinate tomatoes with a paintbrush or something for the rest of my life inside so I wanted something that could be outside in a greenhouse in the summertime because we live in Alaska but still in use inside in the wintertime so when I found these systems that I have I was ecstatic and that's what I picked that sounds like it's a win-win so can you yeah. show us a little bit about how aeroponics works yeah, absolutely. So most of the time, aeroponics uses something called rock wool. Um, the two main types of growing medium are rock wool and clay pebbles. My clay pebbles that I have are out in my woodshed right now, so they're not available. But these are two pieces of rock wool. One is, well, it was square before I tore it off, and then one is round. And it's just a composite mix of... Um, chalk and lava rock essentially so they heat the rocks up they explode it into kind of a similar to fiberglass texture and it's safe because it's not fiberglass they put it in a mold and these are fantastic for plants they'll hold about four times the amount of water for their weight um, some people like to use cocoa core which holds up to 10 times the amount of water for their weight uh, especially in places like Arizona, California, um, places that are really hot where they have to have a higher moisture content. So what you do is you soak these in water and then you put your seeds in the hole or you put your seedling in the, the slit that's here and you put it under a light or on a heating pad until it germinates and it starts to sprout. And after like one to two, three weeks, once it's ready, and especially if you see roots coming out the end, they're ready to go in your aeroponic growing system. I use tower gardens. So then what you do is you put it in your system and you can either hold it in place with a net pot like so, or um, a plant clip, which is good for smaller things uh, that aren't say beefsteak tomatoes. And you just put your little seedling in there 
and you walk away and you come back when you want salad or strawberries or tomatoes or whatever it is that you're growing in here. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's fun and it's so easy. It's it's so easy. I love it. That's that's pretty cool. So, I mean, I think it's kind of obvious, but what are some of the benefits of growing food this way in Alaska? Yeah, there's um there's a ton of benefits and one of those is that there's no food miles on your food because uh, the cilantro that we get in Juneau here, it comes from Southern California near like Oxnard or even uh, Mexico sometimes. It's, it's come all the way up the West Coast and then it sits for potentially a couple of days while it gets on the barge to Juneau and then it takes seven to eight days or so to make it to the grocery store. And then another one to three days before it gets put on the shelves. And that's if you're waiting there to purchase it when they've got the cart that they're unloading onto the racks. So food miles is huge. And when we use up our shelf life for our produce, getting it here, by the time it gets here, the quality is simply degrading. So being able to grow these things locally is really important because we have the whole shelf life to use for one. And for two, um, fruiting plants like eggplants, tomatoes, and peppers, they're not picked at the peak of ripeness in order to be sent here from Florida, central Mexico, like the zucchini that I picked up in Costco two weeks ago. It was harvested in central Mexico three and a half weeks before I purchased it. And um, it did not look fresh. And I was so sad. I was like, I've been tricked. Um, so you can be missing up to a third of your nutrition in something by picking it underripe. And so often I tell people that the most nutritious aisle in the grocery store, as far as produce goes, is often the frozen section because they just, they freeze it and then they send it to us. So there's no food miles on locally grown produce. There's, there's no, um, under ripeness, it's completely fresh. And the nice thing about having aeroponics is there's no pesticides, there's no herbicides, there's no glyphosate, there's no anything that you wouldn't want to put on your vegetables or your fruits or your salad, your greens, you don't have to. And there's a lot of ways that you can combat pests if you have them. Most often pests come from dirt and these are not dirt. So the aphids or the spider mites, they have to come from somewhere else to get on your plants. So it's really nice to have that aeroponic produce because it doesn't come with a lot of the hassles. So yeah, food miles, nutrition, uh, the ripeness, and it's, it's completely clean. I don't even wash my vegetables when I use them. I just take scissors or a knife, I cut them, and then I put them on the cutting board. And those are really the big things. And then the other thing is variety. You can grow whatever you have a seed packet for. Well, I think that's super cool. And I think another advantage would be fresh lettuce in December or a fresh tomato in December. Yes. Can you imagine like Thanksgiving oh, yes. serving up fresh? I'm sure you can. I can't. Um, so I just think that yes. that's cool. So what all can you grow in an aeroponic system? Yes. Um, so you can grow all of those things and it is amazing. 
So I actually have fresh tomatoes and jalapenos growing upstairs along with some eggplant. Um, I had two different kinds of peppers actually, but you can grow a lot with aeroponics. Really the, the biggest barriers or limitations to aeroponics is that you can't grow root vegetables like potatoes or carrots, but since we live in Alaska, we don't have to worry about trying to do that. They grow really well here and that's fantastic. And you can't grow perennial shrubs or really shrubs at all. And you can't grow trees. So no avocados, no blueberries and no potatoes, but pretty much everything else is on the table. A lot of different aeroponic systems have different sizes. So with these systems that I have, these are called tower gardens. You can grow dwarf sunflowers, Brussels sprouts, full-size cabbages, beefsteak tomatoes. Um, the possibilities are pretty limitless other than root vegetables and shrubs. That's pretty cool. So what are some fun and kind of different things? Have you, have you experimented with some different things? Yes. Um, there's a lot of fun things you can grow. I like to look for the red and purple varieties or the really unique heirloom varieties that I've never seen in the store. Um, I like to grow a lot of Claytonia for our salads and I'll, I'll show you later, but I have fireweed growing in my kitchen and I'm pretty excited about it. That's really cool. Yeah, that's really fun. Um, and can you grow things year round? You can, um, the seasons don't matter and you can grow whatever you want. You can grow, um, anything regardless of season. Sometimes what I did last year is I grew a whole bunch of flowers for, um, my daughter for the summer. And we wound up transplanting some of those into the garden beds, which was fantastic. And they did great. The cosmos just took off and we had calendula and it was wonderful. So you can use it as a way to have some plant starts to, to really get your summer off to a good sprint as far as your garden goes. And you can grow anything that you want whenever you want. And you can grow heirloom varieties and things that you've never seen in the store, which is really exciting for me because I like to be different. Yeah. Well, and plus when you're looking at the nutrition value of things, it's kind of fun to have all yeah. the colors, you know, and, and stuff. Yes. Too. So I think that's awesome. So, um, this seems like it's something that would be super expensive to get started. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Um, it's, it's not very expensive to get started. There's a lot of different ways that you can get growing with aeroponics because there are so many different methods. Um, the rock wool tends to be a one-time use thing um, unless your seeds don't germinate and you can use it again. But you can use those clay pebbles over and over and over, which is a great cost saver. And they're not very expensive to buy it like a 50 pound bag of clay pebbles from Home Depot or Lowe's. You can use uh, aeroponic methods like the crack key method, which is where the water doesn't necessarily move. So sometimes one of those air stones can be a good thing. Um, but it really depends on what your goals are and how you need to fashion your system or design your system or what kind of system you need to purchase. So 
is you always want to be mindful of your own time and energy and availability with your family or your other crops or everything else that you've got going on. Um, for me, I no longer with, with two kids and being in college, I didn't have the time to design my own system, which is why I was so delighted when I found these. Um, you know, and the other thing is, you know, when it comes to costs, you want to make sure that you're not looking at only the monetary cost. You want to, you want to look at what the benefits are and the risks. So if you're growing in really cheap plastic containers, you want to be aware that sometimes that plastic can leach um, BPAs or other types of toxins and things like that into the water or the soil or the plants. So if you can, you know, use food grade plastic or use polycarbonate. You want to make sure that um, you're not going to cut corners in a way that would negatively impact yourself, your crops or your family. But absolutely, it's very cheap to get started, especially for the value that you get. It's amazing. Well, I think that's that's encouraging right there because it does seem like it could be really expensive to get going. Sure. Um. Okay, well, so, oh, go ahead. I, I often tell people that are interested in starting to grow their own produce because it is a little bit of a paradigm shift and someone might look at the cost and go, oh my goodness, I didn't think about that. But often I find um, myself not thinking about the cost of what I'm going to the grocery store to purchase or how much I'm throwing away or how much has to get trimmed off of zucchini, cucumbers or green beans or whatever it is before I actually use them. And so if you, if you actually add up how much you spend in the produce aisles or the frozen section of what you can grow yourself, you'll find very quickly that um, the numbers are comparable and you can really take good care of your family financially and nutritionally by shifting this paradigm and starting to grow some more things yourself, which is what I love. Yeah, that's super cool. That's awesome. Um, so I, the systems I assume come with lights. Are those lights similar to like the happy lights that we can get from the, um, like the store, they, they kind of are supposed to give us a little pep in the winter time. <laughs> um, I like to think that they are, they're not officially happy lights or sunlight replicating lights as far as seasonal affective disorder goes that I'm aware of. But I mean, I feel much better being around them. I have two tower gardens in my office. I have two in my kitchen. And then I have a third one over here. And I love that the lights are on a timer. So they pop on, on the, in the morning. And no matter what, it's light inside the house, even if it's dark outside and the street lights are on and it's nine o'clock in the morning. It's actually one of my favorite things about the tower gardens is the lights not just the lights that they, not just the light that they give off, but also that the fact that they're flexible and removable to make for better, better plant growth. That's cool. Okay. Um, let's talk about upkeep for a second. Is upkeep expensive sure. on them? And can you make your own, like I just interviewed just earlier today, a, a worm composter. Can you make your own fertilizer and stuff for these? Or is that taking it a little too far? Um, the upkeep is really cheap. You don't need a lot of supplies to take care of these. Uh, I generally recommend getting like a little silicone scrubber to scrub the dirt off of, say, some bare root strawberries if you want to throw those in there because you don't want dirt to clog up the pumps. 
when you clean the tower two to three times a year, you'll need one to two cups of citric acid, which you can buy on Amazon. And, you know, anyone who loves to shop at Costco or buys in bulk, you know, that the bigger bag you get, the cheaper it's going to be. And then let's see here. Those are the, the biggest consumable supplies besides the rock bowl and, um, you know, the net pots or these little baskets are pretty reusable. But if you have like a really large plant or if you have a plant with a really large root system, say a tomato or even, even a smaller tomato, not just a beefsteak tomato, then sometimes those baskets just, they go in the recycling or the trash. But they're not very expensive as far as consumable supplies go. And the plant food is a few dollars a month typically. So it's pretty easy to take care of. When it comes to making your own plant food, I typically don't recommend it um, because the plant food that these use is nutritionally complete. And there's a clinical study that backs that claim up where they compared it to, they compared plant food excuse me, they compared plants that were grown with this plant food alongside soil grown plants in conventional grocery stores. And they looked at the nutritional content and the nutritional density. And if uh, it's, it's safe to say that the tower garden plant food was far superior. And so you wanna make sure that if you are gonna make your own plant food, that you have all those supplies for the, the macro and the micronutrients. And, you know, you might need some more types of equipment. I personally am not a scientist or biologist. So I will leave that to the experts because once again, I don't necessarily have the time to undertake that. Whereas I, I'm using aeroponics to save myself time. And for me, the cost of the plant food is very reasonable, especially when I consider the quality of produce that I get. That makes sense. Okay. That yeah. makes perfect sense. Um, so, so you, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but let's talk a little bit deeper about nutritional value. Do you have, um, so it says sometimes, um, this can cost us a large percentage of lost nutrients up to 30%. Um, yes. is that, that's food that's picked unripe and, you know, shipped up to, and ri that ripens while it ships. Is that what you were meaning by that? Yes. And then also there's a lot of conventional, um, not necessarily GMO varieties, but a lot of hybrids that have been, uh, made to grow as quickly as possible for a faster harvest or for a simultaneous harvest. Like, uh, this is true, especially with a lot of hybrid tomatoes or F1 tomatoes. And because they're all supposed to be growing at the same time and ripe, they they might ripen, but they might not be completely ready to be eaten. So often, you know, when we don't have the fertilizer and the compost and the soil richness that these plants need to grow without, you know, accelerating fertilizers, we're missing out on those macro and micronutrients. And that's not something that we want for our bodies in the long run. So that's the reason that I like this plant food is because it is nutritionally complete. There's no accelerant type of fertilizer in it. 
And so the reason they grow so fast is because they have everything that they need. The roots don't have to go searching through water or dirt and they're aerated between waterings and they have that perfect environment of light and the pump is on a timer and the lights are on a timer. So not only is a low maintenance system, it's optimized for that fast plant growth that occurs naturally. I love that. And, you know, I, I kind of want to close with the thought that um, one of the things that I love about this is this having these systems could potentially be one more step towards food freedom or food independence yeah. or whatever in Alaska. So yeah. um, this is another way that we can become less dependent on the grocery store and more dependent on on our own food and, you know, growing yeah. things ourselves. I think it's a, it's a, it's a really neat option. If you either have the time to build your own system, to, to learn about it and build your own, or you're able to purchase a system or two. Um, it's definitely, and it's kind of an outside of the box way to think about it. But I, yeah. I think that, you know, I think maybe our box is expanding and it's, you know, where it's yeah. not quite as, um, it's not quite as unique as maybe it used to be. I think that it's happened that people are growing more mm -hmm. and more of their own food, whatever way they, in whatever way they can. Absolutely. So if I understand right, we get to take a tour. Is that right? Were you going to take us on a tour? Yes. All yes, right. I would love to. All right. Okay. While you're getting ready to do the tour, I wanted to go back up just one second because somewhere in here, I'm sure that I read the word pumpkins. Can you grow pumpkins on these things? Yes, you can. Absolutely. Um, yes, you can grow pumpkins. You can grow watermelons. You can grow cantaloupes. Um, strawberries are a big hit in our family. Um, cucumbers, zucchini, horse tomatoes. Let's see here. So it seems like there's just not a lot that, that you can't do. Correct. Oh dear. Okay. There we go. All right. So let's take a look. I'm going to turn the camera around and I'm going to show you what these look like. Okay. And you awesome. can hear the pumps behind me and they've come on every 45 minutes when they're inside for five minutes. And then when they're on the outside mode, it's three minutes on, 12 minutes off. So you make sure those plants get that frequent watering. Okay. okay. All right. All right. So this is the first tower here. Um, we've got sage here, dill here, uh, more sage, parsley. These are Mizuna greens. They're delicious. They're kind of like a, a Japanese green. They're not in the mustard family, but they are delicious and this is chinese multicolored spinach that hasn't started to turn yet but this is purple bok choy and it's one of my favorite things to eat as far as like those greens that aren't for salad and um, when it comes to salad frisee and dive right here is definitely one of my favorites um having fresh herbs is a big deal in our house your so house we have a lot of smell so good deal. It does. Um, we have edible flowers upstairs in my office that my daughter grows and sells. And if I have the door closed overnight or for a couple hours, the flowers just, they make the whole room smell gorgeous. It's just like being in a greenhouse and I love it. So 
true, true to my, my initially that's it moment. I have a lot of cilantro plants. You can see the pink beauty amaranth here, and it's just got that gorgeous color. It's beautiful. And so here's some more of that Chinese multicolored spinach. And this is my fireweed. It's starting <laughs> to take off really well, but you can see, you can see the roots as they come out here and you can see the, the water here coming out. And so it just comes down, it showers down and um, excuse me, waters these roots. They're suspended in the air or alongside the column sections. And then they just drink what they can. And then 45 minutes later, they get another drink. And you can see they're really easy to take in and out. Um, this fireweed has more seeds in it. Those fireweed seeds are so small. It's really hard to get just a couple. Yeah. So you can see how healthy they are. And that's what I like about these systems is you can check on the health of your plants from like the tip of their leaves all the way to the end of those roots. I got some Swiss chard here. Um, this is the plant food that we use. It's the Tower Garden Mineral Blend. And um, we've got iceberg lettuce, purple tatsoi, Merlot lettuce. The more sunlight it gets, the darker red it gets. So you can see this stuff is really beautiful here. Um, green tatsoi. We got some strawberry spinach that's a little tiny still and oregano and claytonia, which actually grows wild here in Alaska. It's a delicious green. It's one of my favorites. And then this is one of my favorite unique greens. This is a wasabina mustard greens. And if you chop it up really finely and put it on the top of your sushi, it tastes exactly like wasabi. I mean, the flavor is un it's exactly the same. Ooh, that's amazing. Yes. And we've got some flowering kale here that's probably going to be thrown in some soup this week. And let me take you upstairs and I will show you guys the eggplants and tomatoes and all the flowers and everything else that we've got up here. I want to mention for people who watch this later, we're recording this on March 22nd, 2023. So this is not, it's not like these have been sitting outside and this is September. This is, we're in March. This is post winter. Yes. We're just heading into spring and that's, this is what these look like. Yes. And I, I love these towers. I, I picked these ones because they checked all my boxes and I thought they were going to be the highest quality tower for my family. And I believe that they are, but I fell in love with them because they're just so easy to use. So here's more of that spinach, claytonia, lettuce. I've got marjoram down here and chamomile. Um, my son has been up here. So apparently there's a car chase. So <laughs> these are, these are kaolettes. This is like the only new vegetable that's been, uh, come out in the last hundred years, but it's a blend between kale and Brussels sprouts, and they grow really great in the tower. You can see it's a, a larger plant, but it comes right out of that port, just like everything else. And then we've got stock flowers and um, more tatsoi. But let me show you guys all the tomatoes. 
and the eggplant. So this is an heirloom variety of eggplant here. They're called um, Melanzana Rossi di Rotonda. Not quite sure if that's exactly right, but basically they're red eggplant. It's a, it's a European strain. And so they're striped and it's like a cross between an eggplant, a bell pepper and a tomato. I'm not the biggest fan of eggplant, but for the price of a seed packet, I'm willing to see if I like these. Um, my son actually picked a couple of them a couple days ago. So this is what they look like as they begin to ripen a little bit more and they get that really beautiful red orange color. And um, these are Beauty of the Night tomatoes. They're an indigo tomato. They're heirloom variety from Baker Creek. And they, I can't remember off the top of my head when I started growing them, but I wanna say it was between, uh, I think it was that first week of January. So we're into the third week of March now, and you can see that they're already getting big. And there's quite a few on there, but those were the first ones. So we've got another eggplant variety here, and all these plants were planted at the same time, all these tomatoes and eggplants. These are gonna be lavender frog egg eggplants. You can see they've got those purple blooms. And there's some of the edible flowers that my daughter sells. So she's six and she's learning how to run a business right now with these. And I couldn't be more proud of her. And uh, let's see here. I'll show you guys these ones. I don't know where the other ones went, but these are um, tiny. This is a, a dwarf jalapeno plant. The oh, Very cool. Yes, just got to get it out with one hand. Here we go. Yeah. So the jalapenos are about the same size as regular plants, the regular jalapenos, but the plant itself is much smaller. So you can actually take it out and you can see it's not that big of a plant. Okay. And you can see there's several jalapenos on there. I had one that was ripening and starting to turn red the other day. So I picked it and put it in some soup. This one's getting ready to turn red. It's just a little bit, little bitty guy. But one time when I counted, there were over 50 jalapenos growing on this plant. We've been harvesting off of it for um, a couple of weeks now, actually. That's so, incredible. How often do you have it. to replace, um, do you, like, is this jalapeno then when it's, when you're, when you've harvested it, then do you need to replant a new one or can it just continue to, to serve for a longer time? That's an excellent question. So the thing that I like about these is that you can harvest continually off of almost all these plants. Nice. Of course, I mean, you could chop the whole head of lettuce off and, just see if it'll regrow for you or not. But the thing that I like about these is that you can actually just pull the leaves off. You pull those outer leaves off and then the rest of the plant has enough of the leaves remaining for photosynthesis and it keeps growing for you. And the, the large root system and the remaining leaves will make you more salad than you might be able to eat. So we have a lot of herbs that we freeze. Um, 
we have a lot of herbs that we give away and I've started like coming up with new recipes that will use these herbs just because I have so many and it's really been a lot of fun. I just absolutely love that. So this has been incredible. Is there, um, do you have any, um, like tips for someone who's just getting started? Like if, if someone's considering buying a tower and, and I realize that, um, and I don't understand the affiliation exactly that you are affiliated sure. with, um, tower gardens, but, but I also know oh, wow. that you, you didn't start out that way. And, um, and that, and this is in no way the, the point of the, the show is to, you know, pitch one, Correct. one or the other, because we want, you know, everyone's needs are a little different and stuff, but, yeah. um, but if someone is considering a system, what, spe- especially specific to Alaska, what are some things that maybe would be good to consider? So you want to consider what your goals are. If you only want to grow like a few herbs, a little cilantro, a little dill, you know, That's one thing, but if you want to grow enough to supplement or, you know, reduce your grocery budget, then you're going to want to go with something bigger. Mm -hmm. I like these because the plants are far enough away that they actually have space between each other, which is one of the reasons that I decided not to go with one of the more popular brands of aeroponic or hydroponic systems, you know, and if your goal is to have things that are outside, then you want to make sure you have a unit that can be outside in the rain or, you know, it protected in a greenhouse. You really have to look at what your goals are. You know, if your goals are just to have a little bit here and there, that's one thing. But if you want to feed your family and supplement your, you know, your diet and, you know, you have that nutritionally complete produce, you want to take a look at all the options. That's what I did when I got into this. I looked at every single thing on the market. I looked at designing my own and I landed on these because this checked, they checked all my boxes and I didn't even realize how easy they were to use when I ordered them. And, you know, as far as like, as far as providing food for Alaskans, like these are an excellent option. I think they're one of the best ones, but you know, the best one, it's going to be what you're going to use and what you're going to do. Um, a lot of aeroponic systems are there. There's a lot of aeroponic systems out there. There's a lot of things that you can do differently or the same. I like these ones because they're simple. I put the water in, I put the plant food in, I balance the pH and I walk away because everything is on a timer. And, um, These larger units, this is the flex unit, and then this is the home unit. This one holds 20 gallons of water. So I don't have to, I don't have to refill it all the time. This other one holds 13 gallons and it's only two feet wide. I know I have a friend on a sailboat who has one of these and she texted me last summer and she goes, hey, the green beans and I are going sailing to Tenneke and I love it. That's awesome. So she did. They they just I mean, when you live on a sailboat, you just, you know, you grab you pull the lines in and you just go. And it was it's small enough that that's what they do and they love it. And I think that's fantastic. You know, is you want to make the right choices for your family and for yourself. You know, these the produce that you get is is vast and it's high quality. 
And it's better quality than you're gonna find in the stores that gets shipped up from the lower 48. We know that the vast majority of what we sell or what we purchase in grocery stores doesn't come from Alaska. And I wanna see that change. I, I like to grow things that I can so that I can buy what I can't. I like to grow these so that I can buy bananas and apples because I have two kids and that is their favorite food group. <laughs> Yeah. When you get moved to Anchorage, you'll have to come out to the Valley uh, and pick apples. <laughs> I will be there. Absolutely. <laughs> Very good. I have one other question. This is off script. So, um, so I hope I don't catch off guard. What do you do during a power outage? So this is a great question. And thank you. Um, we haven't really had a prolonged power outage yet. But last year, um, during the wintertime, Texas did. And there are a ton of aeroponic and tower grower, tower garden growers in Texas. So what they did is some of them would use this access port and they would just take a scoop of water and then they would pour it over the top because these lights, they, they come right off. You can lift them right off and it's super simple and you can put the water in manually. Um, a few other people had like some bilge pumps or a battery pump. And so they would just do that several times a day. These pumps are on five minutes every 45 minutes. So you don't need a lot of electricity or a lot of manual usage to operate them and keep your plants healthy. Now I spoke with the power company here in Juneau about a month or two ago. And we worked out the entire cost of what it would, what, how much electricity it would take to power one of these pumps without the lights. But the pump by itself was pennies per month. And I mean, pennies. So if you're in an off-grid situation, you might not, I don't know if you'd want to power the lights, depending on what kind of battery and solar and hydro system you have. But the pump is absolutely something that you can use and you can augment everything else that you're doing spring through fall with these. Okay. I'm going to have these outside next month, um, probably without lights. And I'll throw an aquarium heater in the tower garden basin and they'll be outside with just the pump and a little bit of heat. Perfect. That's, that was a great answer. So in the show notes, I am going to put your contact information. If people have questions, they can contact you. If they want to know more specifically Perfect. about tower gardens, they can. Um, but you. I just would really encourage, I, I love the idea that, um, you know, cause Alaskans were, we're, there's a lot of DIYers out there. So I love that there's yes. actually the possibility of building your own system and maybe you build your own, you know, to save, to be more cost-effective, maybe you have time and enjoy doing that kind of thing. Um, maybe yes. it's a space thing. So you have a specific space that you want to put your system in. And so rather than buying one, you can kind of build something that, that goes into your own space. Yes. But also I love that there are these pre-made um, options and, um, and this has just been fabulous. I can't, I I'm, you've got me all kinds of excited about this. This is really fun. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm so excited to, to do this. This became my, my passion project after I ran for local office two years ago. And I realized exactly how dire our food insecurity vulnerabilities are. Um, about a year and a half ago, one of the docks broke 
in Seattle and it was just like a mechanical issue, but one of the barges was late and there was total panic in the store in, in the grocery stores here and the shelves were empty. And it's like, if we can insulate ourselves against that, no matter how we do it, it's going to be a wise thing to do, you know, because it's, it's not a fear-based thing. It's a, we live really far away from other places kind of thing. And, you know, you know, as, as parents or as spouses, we have a responsibility to take care of our families and those that are around us. You know, we have, we have some of the best neighbors and, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, if I have extra, or if I have something that they need, I'm going to give it to them. And this way I have, I have a lot to give, you know, we are a family of four and we have five of these, so we can grow whatever we want. And we can give away whatever we want. And I love that. I think that's pretty great. Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. And um, again, just look, check out the show notes and um, yes. there'll be, we'll have her contact information in there, but this has just been yes. really exciting. What a, what a fun way to think thank about you. food independence and improving our food quality in the winter and all the things. Yes. So I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it as well.